All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> we have a fantastic guest on our 100th episode. Woo! Yay! Three digits. <laughs> Sherilyn Connolly. Hey, that's me. A proud transgender woman, um, editor of the, I'm sorry, you're a columnist for the SF Weekly. Film critic for the SF Weekly. Film critic, as I like to say. And I know you. For SF Weekly. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, f- I didn't even tell you. Mm-hmm. I think you might have. It's been a crazy week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I write words, and you they actually another? put them on paper every week. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. For like six years, I've been getting away with this. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Sherilyn Connolly. Con- con- uh, um, and also, I know you from the uh, Darkroom Theater. Mm-hmm. And so we can uh-huh. talk about, you know, the old, good old days of the Darkroom. Yep. I was involved with the Darkroom from the beginning till the end, actually, through At its entire end. lifespan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And for those that don't know the dark room, uh, there were all sorts of cool things that happened there. I mean, it's, it's almost like Second City TV or mm. Saturday Night Live on a local Bay Area level when it was around. Bad Movie Night, The show. Twilight Zone. Oh, um, Bat- yeah, yeah, Batman. yeah. What was the, um, there was a movie. What was it? Um, was it Pulp Fiction? Not Pulp Fiction. It was something. Uh, it's Reservoir Dogs? That was at Spanganga. If you're talking about a live version yeah, of Spang- that, ba- yeah, at Spanganga, which is like right around the corner okay. from where the dark room was. Yeah, yeah they did a. I think that's they did when a I first heard dark room. Yeah, a live version of uh, Reservoir Dogs there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you were involved in Spanganga too. I was. Yes. Yeah, right I got on. cast in a live production of Night of the Living Dead at Spanganga uh-huh. in 2003. I want to say, <laughs> yeah, 2000, 2003. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, also at Spanganga. Oh, cool! Which was oh so much fun. In both cases, mm-hmm. it's like I'd grown up loving both of those things, and mm-hmm. I get to, like, act in them as right. a grown-up, which is like, wow, this theater <laughs> stuff is pretty great. <laughs> That's fantastic. With beer. Yeah, and that, too. Oh, yeah. And then Spanganga shut down, but right around the corner, uh, a couple people from Spanganga opened up the dark room mm-hmm. at 19th and Mission. And, yeah, oh. I was involved in that until it closed down in 2004. Yeah, 16, 15, just a few oh, years ago. okay. Yeah, so it was yeah. a good long run. Great community theater that was like my second home for years. Very cool. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, I loved it so much. Well, as I begin my podcast every week, how was your week? We open. Every day Alice Every opened, day Alice. And, um, and then we had to take a night off because our lead actress is exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we were back up last night. And we seem to be back on track. Fantastic. Um, and it's funny. I haven't – my modeling work has just started to pick up again. Oh, cool. So um, this morning, mm-hmm. that's why we're doing this in the afternoon instead mm-hmm. of like we normally do. Yeah. Um, because I uh, I had a modeling gig, which is always a great place for me to run my lines. Ah. And I we skipped about a page last oh. night. And we captured <laughs> some bit of it. Yeah. But – it was that deer in the headlight look, you know, when sure, you I've look at there, your scene partner, like, yeah. that's not right. And it was like, <laughs> I absolutely know. We're going forward, yeah. aren't we? Yes, we are. Actually, sometimes those are the fun moments of theater where instead of staying on the rails because, mm. you know, everyone's on s- script, it's like, oh, you jump. I got to think about doing something. And, of course, not look surprised because right. the audience is watching. Right. And if you do it right. Oh, in our show, <laughs> the audience is this close. Oh, sure. So yeah, Dark Room was like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, um, going on. Yeah. And we did. It we becomes did. improv. <clears throat> and Sherilyn, you, you know all about improv and, you know, yeah. just staying on your feet. Yeah, that was part of what Bad Movie Night was. It was like a movie riffing show, basically Mystery oh. Science Theater 3000 oh, okay. oh, Live, no, 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 where no. we would, like, watch 
movies just across the board. Sometimes sure. we would intentionally show good movies because good movies are fun to laugh at yes. as well. And mm-hmm. People would yeah. always get mad every week. That's not a bad movie. It's like you're missing the point <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was all improvised. Right, it right, exactly. It was just all off the cuff. It was not always funny. But, mm-hmm. again, that was the high wire act mm-hmm. of it. High wire. And when you actually oh. got, like, a genuine laugh or applause <clears throat> from the audience, mm-hmm. it's like this is it. This is, like, the little adrenal rush I've been going for. Exactly. Very, very cool. Well, and yeah. I haven't said, because I have not been told yet that I can say what I got cast in, but I am doing Summer Shakespeare. I awesome. can say that much. Sweet. I'll okay. say that much. Um, and then uh, Richard Talavera's uh, reading, we're doing D, yeah, D-tier, mm-hmm. or D-T-A, I don't At know. At the Brooklyn Preserve, right? At the Brooklyn Preserve, tomorrow, 2 p.m. Sunday. Right um, and we had a rehearsal yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, which went wonderfully. Mm-hmm. We got a wonderful little cast. Was Craig Dickerson there? No, no, no. That's for another reading in okay, March. Okay, got it, got it, got so, it. Mm-hmm. Which I've been sending out messages. I may have to recast. I'm not hearing from my actress. I'm oh, like, no. Come on. I got my actor set. I thought you yeah. were set. Let's do this. Yeah. But, you know, I got weeks to sure. worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be doing that. And I'll be tomorrow seeing um, Stage Kiss. Oh, okay. Which is being done, uh, I'll advertise it, uh, the Other Other Theater. Right. Um, and Ken Donovan and Alan Coyne. Alan Coyne has been in right. everything. Uh, they'll be doing that. Ken was like, hey, you got to come, you got to come. Because <coughs> tomorrow and so Monday are the last So this is different than shows. the other one that, oh, this is the one they're just finishing up. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, let's talk because <laughs> okay. maybe I'll come. If there are oh, tickets still available. There should be. It's it's online. We'll we'll plug it or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. Okay. Um. Current events, we might as well jump into it. Um, Jesse Smollett, I mean, we might as well talk about this. Uh, this is the actor. Buster. Oh, Jesse. <laughs> I never knew. I didn't know who you were before three weeks ago. I know. I know. And I feel bad because I've always been to, I'd always meant to watch Empire. I yeah. Just so well, many now, things I've been to watch. Now and there's now. more reason to watch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Who oh. is this? But it's oh. it's amazing how news just sort of develops, you know, in real time. Mm-hmm. So I think Thursday or at least a week ago. Right. He reported to the police that he was a victim of a hate crime, hate crime, right. and also a um, being a gay man in a the middle, middle of the polar, whatever they were calling it. Yeah, yeah in, in the Chicago. Chicago. Frigging blizzard in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at two a.m. Exactly. So the police they get involved. They find two African brothers who actually left the country and then right. came back in the country, mm-hmm. and that's how they got uh, they were caught. <clears throat> and the brother says, "Hey, listen, we were paid. Mm-hmm. Justice Millet paid us, and." The I think it came out yesterday that they even have a check. He paid these guys a check three thousand five hundred dollars to to be to up to to, to ha- yeah. So now of course everyone's innocent and through proven guilty, but it looks like this was a fake attack. If there's a check, yeah, yeah. it's it's horrible. I listened to the uh, the Sav- the Savage Love podcast. Oh, okay, and that's another uh, yeah. one uh, thing that I listen to every Dan Savage, uh, Monday. Right? Uh, Dan Savage, yeah. yeah. And it's horrible because there are lots of individuals who are victims of crime, whether it be black. That's why we have hate crime now, because it was like, you know what, we need a special category for this. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any thoughts about this at all, Sherilyn? My first thought, because the first time I heard about it was when it was beginning to break that it might have been a hoax. Right. Because that just happened so fast. That snowballed so fast. As soon as I heard that people were saying that it was a hoax and that, like, he faked the whole thing, my first thought was, oh, this is bad for 
this is bad for us. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always t- you know think of like and particularly targeted communities, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Targeted targeted communities, people of color, mm-hmm. non-straight people. Yep. Let's well, let's say it, non-Trump voting people. Sure. Because yeah. I don't yeah. want to get us and them, but there's kind of an us yeah. and them thing. Yeah. Where right. There's the Trump voters, and <laughs> then there's all the rest of us who are having yeah. to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to say as a sidebar, this is why uh, more and more the older I get. I'm convinced that Oswald worked worked alone <laughs> because oh, yeah. even this conspiracy, conspiracy. Right. fell apart just like that. Mm. Yeah. And that kind of conspiracy is going to hold up over decades? No, yeah. I don't think so. Mm. But once it starts, because is he mind Trump at that same time was basically saying, yeah, no, there's not really an emergency. Right. I just lied and called it an emergency right. to get yeah. this done. Yeah. Right. He can get away with that. Sure. Right. The rest of us, right. we are held to a much higher mm-hmm. standard, yeah. even when we're not making things up. Right. Plausible things, but still making things up the way that Mr. Smollett was, even when we're not doing that, we are held to impossibly high standards mm-hmm. yeah. while he, Trump, and they can say and do anything right. and get away with it. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you're not helping our cause. Exactly. Right. You know, you know so the, the, yeah. the, the saddest thing about that, apparently, I guess, from what I hear, and of course, there are a lot of ifs here. Right. Mm-hmm. He was pissed off because other folks were getting paid more right. than he was. Mm-hmm. Taraj Henderson and... Um, What's the black? I forget the black. Guy, Terrence Howard. Uh, well, of course. And I mean, we've all gone through. I mean, we're in the theater community. Right. There are folks who who are considered, you know, upper tier. I don't. Well, I don't hate union, on equity actors. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's it's a crazy thing. And and why do it? I mean, why would you think that you could generate interest? I can understand the desire to <coughs> negotiate a better salary or mm-hmm. position. That's called negotiation. This was just flat out illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's it's really really crazy. Bad, you know, you bad can't move idea. your career forward by murdering yeah. or raping or you know. Right, no. exactly. And now, who's going to pick him up even after? You know, immediately. You know, so I think one day well, they. I, I think reality TV will pick him up. Oh, oh sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. Because at first, Empire, the Empire executives were like, "We're backing you up. You know, we right. give you one hundred percent." And then the very next day, we're writing you off. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, Friday, so Friday, I think that happened, hit early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then Robert Kraft, who is the owner of the New England Patriots, uh-huh. was uh, – they did a sting operation to bust oh, these the – um, Yeah, exactly, to bust some of these uh, massage parlors. Mm-hmm. They didn't catch Robert Kraft, but they have video they footage have video of him, of yeah. him get, getting whatever said, twice. Yeah. And so Robert Kraft, I mean, I think this is just embarrassing. I don't think he's going to go to jail or anything like that. And then about an hour later, R. Kelly hits. (laughs) So now he's going to be indicted for uh, having sex with minors, 10 counts. And um, I think it's, hey, it's this is a long time coming. And if it hadn't been for the documentary, I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw the documentary, Cheryl. I have not watched it yet. I've read about Neither. it. Neither. I haven't looks, heard about it. It looks difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very yeah. difficult to watch. But this is using art as, as a social change. Right. Hey, this is activism. Well, it is. But I'm, I'm, I've been worried about this for a while. Mm. I've been celebrating that we, and by we I mean the folks who are considered far on the left. I don't think it's very left, but mm-hmm. you know, to believe in human decency and sure. human rights. Mm-hmm. But um, to get around the systems that have learned how to contain us, because if you remember, this is a while back, um, <laughs> it was one of the um, Republican conventions where the protesters were literally like a mile or so oh, away. Oh, you're talking about 1968. 
No, yeah. not 68. Oh, no, Chicago? this was more recently. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This was like in Atlanta or something mm-hmm. where they were they had a protest site, but the protest site was so far away from everything. Oh. It was like the only people covering it were the people who wanted to cover it. Sure. The free How speech the zone, I believe it was called. Yes. The free speech <clears throat> zone. Which was yeah a you know cordoned off fence right like right. like you could, because of the curvature of the earth you could barely see the convention from where they were <laughs> right right like, like yeah, that, that yeah. far away yeah. it's, it's just insane and you know and so you know things like uh, well people don't even know anymore WTO and all these movements that have figured out mm-hmm. how to get around it have taken not taken over but taken advantage of social media which is great when it works. When it works in your favor, like any, like any media, like any media. But when like, it goes yeah. south, it goes south so badly, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm worried about. I'm like, well, hopefully these systems will catch up, but until they do, then we're going to use this tool. It's it's yeah. a dangerous tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can't have activism. You know, they say, well, you can you can be an activist if you want to, but don't try to disrupt too many people or whatever. Right. But activism, that is the objective, to disrupt. Yeah, Martin until- Luther King marched across a bridge, not just because that was where they were going, but so that they could take over. Exactly. So that they could have that media mm-hmm. background. Exactly. You know, that background for the media. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing when yeah. people block up freeways. And I love it. Somebody says, what if a pregnant woman is on her way to the hospital? Yeah, it sucks to be a pregnant woman on the way to the hospital. Almost as much as it sucks being an innocent black man being shot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, almost as much. It's almost equivalent. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm so pissed off at the Colin Kaepernick thing. I think we talked about this last week. <laughs> you know, it's him signing that. And now I find out that I think the word out is that I think it's $80 million deal right, that right. the NFL gave him right. to to keep his mouth shut. Um, and well, is that the deal? Is that he no has one, to, Nobody knows what the deal is. Because yeah. I'm assuming, I'm hoping that the deal is just stop going after them specifically. Mm-hmm. But I would hope he would keep an activist yeah. thing going, just not targeted on the yeah. NFL. Well, just like what Javier was saying, we haven't heard a lot from him right. at all. Well, which is if I was waiting on an $80 million check, I'd be <laughs> quiet. Yeah. 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 I don't have too much. Um, did you hear about Martina Navratilova? Making yes. statements against trans women performing in sports. Yeah. And yeah, of course she did. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Not surprised. Figures. All we, I can do is just shrug and say, yeah, yeah. that scans. Of course. We're, we are in an awkward place, mm-hmm. and there are a whole lot of people, and I'm not trying to put myself mm-hmm. in the good side of this. Yeah. Um, but people are having trouble mm-hmm. yeah. making the adjustment. And as always, when it's time for an adjustment – got to deal with the people who are having trouble yeah, yeah. it's future shock i mean it's what yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that what is actually Toff- a great way of putting it what toffler you know predicted back in the 70s but right. didn't really hit till 40 years later right. until social media really made society well yeah let me phrase that the internet really started making society zoom forward i'll say more about that because you're i, I agree with you i remember trying to read that book and going dude what are you talking about mm-hmm. and you're right now it's like Dude was totally telling us this decades ago. Mm-hmm. He was just, yeah, he was just, a, he was ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, social media has, which is part of what we've been talking about here, it just mm-hmm. makes things spread and yeah. evolve yeah. so fast. Mm-hmm. But I really believe that's been happening since the late 90s, yeah. since the internet it became is. a thing. Yeah. I mean, like, personally, I be, I didn't start transitioning until I was in my mid-20s mm-hmm. in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of that is because because of the internet, I was able to actually like do research and okay. like reach out to like other oh, trans people and discover that 
it was actually a thing. Right. That it, it was a thing that could be done and mm-hmm. began to realize, oh, if I don't do this, if I don't get over, like, my utter and complete fear about it, right. I am going to be miserable. And your isolation. Yeah, and the isolation. I realize there are other, are other people, and this can actually work. This mm-hmm. impossible thing that's been inside of me since I was, like, three years right. old. Yeah. It's the one reason why it's like I'm it's like I'm 45. I'm happy with my age. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. The one reason I wish I was younger, it's like one reason I wish I was born in 1983 rather than 1973 mm-hmm. is because I would have been able to start transitioning when I was 15 rather than when I was 25. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I know this because about 10 years ago, I dated another trans woman who was like exactly 10 years younger uh-huh. than me. Like within a week, ten right. years younger than me, mm-hmm. and she started transitioning when she was fifteen because uh-huh. it was it was culturally possible, was possible. to do so. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like yeah. the support structure was there to do so, right. yeah. and it was not a thing that I could talk about when I was fifteen. Yeah. No, it's yeah. like I was studying it a lot. I was I would spend like hours mm-hmm. in the library at the Fresno State Un- Fresno State University mm-hmm. reading everything there was on the topic because mm-hmm. there wasn't an internet. Right. There yeah. was no internet and everything in the media at the time was trans people are these pitiable creatures mm-hmm. who at best have sorrow and sympathy for them and at worst well, and like fear Sasquatch them. maybe they don't really exist. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. There was that too. Yeah. And it was like, oh well that's it's like I would see these representations and I'd be like, oh that's me. And I can't ever tell anyone that that's me because right. of these horrible images. Yeah. yeah. Until I was in my mid-20s, and I was really getting to the point where I was like, I have to do something about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And the nascent internet was allowing me to, again, reach out to other people and mm-hmm. do, like, proper research. And it's like, I'm glad I did it. And by my generation standards, I was ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I started really transition were. at 25. <coughs> in the 1990s, that was early. Right. And now, 20 years later, that's late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like the thought that you could actually express these things as a child. It's just like I'm – I'm so happy for, like, the new generation. Yeah. And a little envious of them because they can do it now when we weren't able to. I'm so so glad that you're bringing all of this up because it's important. You know, we want to, especially on our podcast, we want to have as much diversity as possible. And Mm -hmm. these are the things that we need to hear. And you're sort of a pioneer, Sherilyn, because you did it at such an early time. I guarantee you there was someone who saw you and was like, hey – I can do the same thing. I hope so. I, I actually, I know there are. There are like some, mm-hmm. you know, some trans women younger than me mm-hmm. who have said that to me, and yeah. that's great. And you know, God bless them all. And at the same time, I also feel like I've aged into irrelevance right. at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the thing you said about the high school thing, I remember talking a good friend of mine who is gay um, knew that he was gay in high school. Couldn't talk to anybody mm-hmm. about it way back then. Um, and we were talking, this was a while back, we were talking about, I teach a lot in high schools. And he was saying, well, you know, in high school you can't do blah, blah, blah. I was like, mm, in high school you couldn't do. But yeah. now, especially in this area, there probably isn't a high school that doesn't have at least some little LGBT club. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've been in classrooms where the cheerleader type, some guy said, oh, that's so gay. And the cheerleader type was the one to stand up and go, you can't say that. You, you're you just being a butthead. Don't say that. And I was like, whoa, nice. the world has changed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had to tell my friend this <coughs> repeatedly. And then he had to, like, leave the conversation. And, you know, it was months maybe before we were able to go, 
oh, he said, maybe that's true, but it isn't true for me. And I'm right. like, right, it wasn't true then. We're moving. We're someplace new now. Yeah. 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 I think we're on a journey. I don't think we're anywhere near where we're going to be. No, but it's amazing that we've gone as far as we have. Mm-hmm. I would not have guessed that there would have been this much proge- progress mm-hmm. this fast right. within my lifetime. Right. I am, like, shocked and very, very pleased by it. And, again, it's like, oh, if I'd just been born 10 years mm-hmm. later, yeah, I would have no. been off. But yeah. The, yeah. the one solace I take from that is the fact that I transitioned before it was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's like doing it, you know, doing it like in '98. Right. It's like you know, no one, no one was going to say it's like that. It was just being trendy or yeah. like, or trying you know. to get attention. Exactly, exactly. Which was really not what I wanted. Right. But yeah. Also, it's like I've always been six feet tall, so I like I got attention whether I wanted the attention <laughs> sure, or not. Sure. Yeah. And a lot of it was just like closing my eyes, crossing my fingers, and just mm-hmm. jumping in because. Yeah. Whatever ended up happening was better than where yeah. I was, and that's mm-hmm. bravery. I mean, that's what bravery yeah, is all about. So. I, it, yeah, survival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, right. If, if you survive it, it's bravery. If you didn't survive it, it's oh, you know, was Matthew Shepard brave? Well, he's yeah. dead. Yeah, dead. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, and and you can't be brave in certain regions, certain areas, right. because of things like that. And right. I'm hoping that because of the internet, you mentioned the internet changing the way people think. Because that's, that's – go ahead. That was the other current event this week. Which What's that? We, we should touch on just sure. because I'd love your opinion on this. Okay. Uh, the Trump administration has gone out globally mm-hmm. against attacks on the LGBT oh, community. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, they have. Okay. <laughs> Well, I would like to I would like to qualify that. My under, my understanding is that that it's specifically the decriminalization of homosexuality. Yes, which is not the same as going out for overall. True. Oh, guess what? You're allowed to rights. be gay. We're going to give you that. Not <laughs> just that. We're going to fight for your rights in bad places like Iran. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Places places about. places that we're demonizing right. to begin already. With. Yeah. Right. yeah, crazy. Of course, our vice president totally agrees with those people. But we're going to fight against it. Details, right. In other fight against it here, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to put money towards it in other countries. Yeah. While still reducing, yeah. while still repressing trans rights in d- our d- own exactly. country. Taking people out of the military pretty mm-hmm. successfully, cutting every in every category they can, trying yes. to cut mm-hmm. housing rights, other rights, you know, mm-hmm. student loans, all this stuff. It was like... Hey, you know what's interesting? We had Craig Souza on. This is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is, you know... Um, He's an, a great actor, a producer, director, gay man. And he, we talked about gay Republicans and right. the, the mystery of it. And I assume when I hear things like Trump, you know, putting out these things, of course, there's an election that's coming up. So that's he wants it. to gather as many people and prove how wonderful and nice he is. Right. But I do wonder about, I mean, gay Republicans and even black Republicans, you know, I, I just can't understand. Do you, have you met people in your life who, <laughs> who, who are, who? <coughs> I haven't, and a lot of that, and, you know, I'm kind of glad that I haven't, but also a lot of that is because I'm not really, like, super involved in, mm-hmm. like, the local queer communities. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I was, like, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, okay. but now it's not really my thing. Mm-hmm. It's like... I'm glad it's there. It's like, and I'm super happy that we have the progress here. Right. But yeah. also just kind of going on about like my own business. Sure. Yeah. Where my life is not defined 
by me being queer. Right. It's like right. For me, that was always like. It's a nice umbrella, but you don't need it right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like when I was growing up, it's like the things that I knew very early on mm-hmm. was I knew I always wanted to be a writer. Mm. Like for as long as I wanted to be anything, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a writer. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I also knew from a very early age that the boy thing wasn't right for me. Mm-hmm. It's like I was nowhere close to having the language to express, but it's like, yeah, this right. is not right at Right. All. You're describing something that is not me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And as I got a little bit older, I was like, I kind of picture it's like, <clears throat> like living as a woman in San Francisco is like kind of like how I like envisioned my mm. future. Mm-hmm. And now at... 45. I am a woman living in San Francisco who is a film critic and yeah. is, about to, is just about done with like her second book. Mm-hmm. And I'm a librarian for the San Francisco Public Library. Oh, it's nice. Like I have that's like that's what I'm to tell you. I'm at, Petre- I'm at the Petrero branch. Okay. I was at Mission Bay before and transferred to Petrero. Oh, up on the hill. Yes. And they did a renovation, what, about not 10, ten years about, ago? Yeah, maybe? it was 2010, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. best of you in town. Oh, see, Gorgeous I, view. As an actor who has done many school tours, mm-hmm. I've been in pretty much, like, the whole Bay Area. I have been in library branches everywhere. Oh, right I have on. been in, I'm sure, over 100 library branches. Very cool. So Very I know cool. the layout of mm-hmm. so many libraries. Yeah. Well, this is a good transition for an origin story. I mean, you told a little bit about yourself, but I think this is a special one because this is one that people sort of need to hear, especially younger folks who are, you know, <clears throat> they're still struggling and fighting, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, we'll tell see us. where that intersection of theater comes right. into all this. Right, right, exactly. Like Were you born and raised here? Um, I, I'm born and raised Californian, so I'm like rarity in that respect, mm-hmm. but I was actually born and raised in Fresno. Lordy, somebody actually from Fresno. Actually from – yeah, that is, that's generally the reaction I get. That is commonly the reaction I get. Usually, mm-hmm. It's usually like this. Oh, Fresno, followed immediately by, but look at you now. <laughs> hey, I've right. been to Fresno. I love Fresno. And yeah. I have a friend who moved there. Now, I'm not ready to move there, but no. I find it to be culturally interesting. It's getting there. It's got more complexity than I would have ever guessed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that happened, like, as soon as I left. Pure <laughs> <laughs> coincidence, I'm sure. But when I moved away in 1994 to go to film school at San Francisco State, ah, uh, boy, Fresno just started blooming. Mm-hmm. It's like suddenly it had – I mean, it's always, it always had, like, a good arts district, but now has, like, a very strong, like, queer population uh-huh. and queer culture there. And it prides itself on – not being what you would think Fresno would be. Right, or the Central Valley, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It's still a red town, but yeah. with a lot of blue people in it. Yeah, and a comfort. Um, Mara has played there a couple of times. Okay. So I've been down. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we always say we spend the night, and then so we go to a breakfast spot, and it's kind of amazing. Both, if you go to dinner, you hit one of these places, and there's so many people out Mm-hmm. The streets are full, mm-hmm. and then you go to the club, and there's that scene. The next morning, you go out to breakfast, and that scene is still going. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. – nobody – and if I lived in a place like that, I'd, I'd be saying, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's yeah. a horrible place. Cowtown, <clears throat> Cowtown, stay away. Yeah. Yeah, People for sure, I like, knew I couldn't stay there. Yeah. It's like I knew that, like <clears> – I knew that I was would, would transition eventually. Mm-hmm. It's like I knew that deep down, and I knew that I could not do that in Fresno. And when I was like 18 or 19, a good friend of mine said, you know, that I worked with at the video store that Mm -hmm. we we both worked at, he said, I am moving to San Francisco to go to film school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
there is nothing in that sentence that does not appeal to me. Right. It's like that right there. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so I followed in his footsteps. I moved to San Francisco to go to film school. Uh. And also because I knew like eventually I would be able to come out and right. we weren't calling it a bubble then, but even then I knew that is the bubble that I need mm-hmm. to be in. And I have remained in that bubble for the last 25 years now. So had you been I'm doing theater leading up to that or? I had not. I had not. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, this is, this is something I was talking to with Reg off mic yeah. earlier, which is that I so wish if there was one thing I could have changed about my high school, mm-hmm. which otherwise, you know, it was fine. I wish it had had a theater department. Oh, that era. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s in Fresno, no theater department right. and no queer presence at all. You know, no mm. queer clubs, anything like that. It must have been tough. Go ahead. It, well, yeah. And, it, I mean, I was deeply closeted enough to where it wasn't necessarily a problem in, like, my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. It's like as far as everyone was concerned, I was just, like, you know, a tall, gawky, bo- ner- right. ner- nerdy boy. And, sure. yeah. you know, from my junior year on, I had a girlfriend, so no one would have guessed, mm-hmm. you know, from outward appearances that I was queer on any level. Right. Mm-hmm. But had there been a way to, like, express these things mm-hmm. outward, and again, I knew it was in me, but mm-hmm. it was also things that were not to be shared right. with anyone. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, well, like I, you said, not even language for it, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially or even if language, not language that anybody would understand, and not language that I would want to say aloud, right? <laughs> because for a lot of people, their only exposure to trans people in the '90s was Silence of the Lambs. Oh, oh. Buffalo Bill, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. But also about think about Boy George. Although the '90s is kind of old. I mean, you know, boy, yeah, I remember no, he's more '80s, but yeah, yeah little and 90s. more drag than trans. Oh, right. sure. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the word, agreed. The word "boy" is right in there, followed right. by a George. male name, oh, sure, right. sure, which right. is meant to be kind of a juxtaposition kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's more of like you know, gay and drag. Mm-hmm. And that world rather than trans. Sure. And they don't inter- – and this is another way that I'm kind of uh, – these days I'm a little bit, like, out of step. Mm-hmm. It's like me in my in my old age, I'm almost getting, like, a little conservative yeah. compared to things mm-hmm. because I don't like it when drag and trans are treated as interchangeable things. Sure. To me, they're really not. And mm-hmm. The fact that the rise in trans visibility is coinciding with the rise of drag culture mm-hmm. bothers me a little bit because, again, they tend to be treated as the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're really not. And mm. ugh, that's a yeah. whole other <laughs> I had well, but worthwhile. Yeah. I was saying uh, you weren't around, but I had John Fisher here. Right. And we talked, and he runs um, the Theater Rhinoceros. Right. And he was talking about being an older gay man. Right. And how. You know, I guess in his old age, he didn't understand all of these terms like, you know, metrosexual and, mm, and mm-hmm. sapiosexual and all this sort of stuff. He was like, hey, listen, everyone has a lane. And, you know, uh, just <laughs> yeah. so I told well, him in that yeah. sense, everyone has their own lane, but we all still have to get on the highway. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Identifying the lane. And, you know, he's sort of into not mixing things or whatever. And, and that sort of stuff. And I don't mind the mixing and like us right. all like sharing lanes. But something I actually discovered when I first got involved in the lit community and the mm-hmm. spoken word community, which is what led me to <laughs> Spanking, which led me to the dark room mm-hmm. and all that, mm-hmm. yeah. was 
a lot of because I was, I was mostly writing autobiography at the time. Uh-huh. I was like, you know, just writing out my stories and where I was. Mm-hmm. And now I mostly do like nonfiction about things that are not myself, oh, which okay. is where I am now, and I'm very sure. happy with that. But back then, it was all about like plumbing my own depths, figuring mm-hmm. out what was going on with me. And I got it. I was surprised by how much backlash I received for the fact that I personally felt that I was female and wanted to be regarded as female mm-hmm. and that like I did not like to think there's like you know that I'm a some people's like I'm a mix I'm neither of them or I'm a mix of you know male and female right. and all that and it's like that is absolutely fine on an individual level that's not where I right. am now why would, you, why would there be a backlash who would have a problem with that well part oh. of I feel like part of any political movement part of oh, I'm going to use this term part of identity politics sure. does and as with any politics does mm-hmm. tend to be my particular identity and the politics thereof are the only proper one. Right. Yeah. And when I am saying that, you know, I am female, and when I'm checking that box, a lot of people are saying, no, you should not be in a box. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be putting people into boxes. It's mm-hmm. like, I ain't putting anyone else into any box. Y'all be in whatever boxes you want to be. Right. Or don't be in any boxes. I just like this particular exactly. box. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, I don't necessarily need a gender-neutral restroom. I'm just not going to use the men's room. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, as you it's, – it's amazing, especially coming – when I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts, there was a dance department. There were men in the dance department. And, and, of course, there were – it was really my first exposure coming out of junior high school into mm-hmm. high school of those who are gay and really having the realization that the word sex is not just the act – but it's an identity, right. who you are, and it's something that, you know, I guess when you're in a teenager, mm-hmm. you really think about that because, you know, you're coming of age and you mm-hmm. can decide who you are. Um, but you get to decide who you are. No one gets to decide who you are just because you put yourself in, you know, you, if we want to call it a box, sure, that's fine. But no one else gets to choose who you are. And yeah. you're not choosing well, just because you say, Sherilyn, mm-hmm. hey, I'm a woman. <clears throat> You're not saying everyone who is like me has to choose what I'm doing. Yeah, no, That's just your personal decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder, though, because I wonder where some of the confusion seems to me comes from people wanting to use these boxes, um, like with biology. Right. And Biology being destiny. Yeah. There. Thank you. That's That to me, because I, I wrestle with this. And I'm like, what it? What I recognize, I'm, I'm getting better at recognizing when something is splashing back in my face. I'm sure. like, oh wait, okay, that's about me. What's what am I dealing with? I'm trying to create little boxes, and I'm saying biology is important. And I I have more than one friend who have argued with me about this. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to understand. And what I realize is, oh yeah, I'm trying to b- paint with a broad brush. This is the way it is, as opposed to going because I know as a male. As a self-identified heterosexual male, and, and I even hate the labeling, but okay, I'm not. There are all these things that I know I'm not that are put in that box, and if you need it to be in that box, then yeah, I need to find another space because that's not my mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, how did how did actually? If you don't mind me asking, and you know, if it's a third rail, you could tell me, eh, we're not doing that. <laughs> Family. And we can always cut it out. Yeah, exactly. That's oh, right. This family. is not my. Yeah, we didn't get the family question. Yeah, exactly. How? I, well, the question I was going to ask is, how? I mean, how are things with you and your family? Things are fine with me and my family. Good. Yeah, I 
go to my mother's place for the 4th of July and for mm -hmm. Christmas, and I'll be going there later next month. Yeah, cool. no Siblings? We, uh, I have three older brothers, and I am tight with two of them. Okay. The third one that I am not tight <coughs> with, my other two brothers aren't tight with him either. Sure. Mm. He's always been kind of the um, – <sighs> he's a Trump voter. Oh, I see. Uh -huh. Just like leave it at that yeah, sure. right there. Sure. And we had issues with him long before yeah, he was this a Trump came voter. Up. Yeah. yeah. And let, let's look at it this way. Um, he tried to start a you know Facebook chat train you know tr chat group with mm. uh, me and my other siblings last mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. and he titled it Brothers. Oh, uh -huh. here we go. Which, yeah, it's like right. And I. It's like, where do I even start? Yeah. <laughs> with how that? can you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how families, they know the proverbial button to push. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And they if try to push knows, it. If they know and they it. want mm -hmm. you to react to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I have heard, like, you know, anecdotal evidence in the past of, like, when I'm not around, him talking about, like, you know, how deluded I am mm -hmm. and, like, in the eyes of God and oh, all, yeah. the, all yeah. that God. stuff. Because everybody knows. The eyes of God, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just just like how everyone on the Internet suddenly becomes an expert in genetics when trans issues come up. Right. Because they're like, well, the thing about DNA is like, motherfucker, you do not understand <laughs> DNA. Do not <laughs> talk to me yeah, about, yeah. like, my DNA, about my chromosomes. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Do you. Not, yeah, you do not get to do that. Right. But otherwise, yeah, no, um, things are good with my family. Mm -hmm. The most difficult was, perhaps unsurprisingly, with my mother, mm. because I was like, you know, I'd always been closest with her. Oh, uh huh. My father, his first reaction, and he was like the last one that I told, because mm -hmm. him and I, nice enough guy, but we just like never really clicked okay, anyway. Sure. And my parents divorced when I was 10 years old, mm -hmm. and my. Uh, Closest brother went off with our father, and I grew up with my mom. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I saw my father on weekends, but we, we just never really clicked all that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, he had named all of his children. So he, uh, there were me and my three brothers, and all of us had the same – our names had the same first letter as his. Sure. God is like LBJ. He's like branding all mm – -hmm. you know, uh -huh. like, Mm -hmm. Lyndon Baines, and then there's Lady Bird, and then there's Linda Bird. You know, all oh. of his kids are, no, are LBJ. Oh, I didn't know that. It was like just crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, it was, it was that kind of thing. And so, like, when I came out to him and I told him what my name was, his response was, why couldn't I have picked a name right. like that same sure. first level? That was, mm. his, that was his main thing right uh -huh. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wanted to keep the branding, you know. Basically, I don't know. yeah. Well, stay consistent. Stay consistent, <laughs> and beyond that, it was fine. You oh, know, we didn't really get, go. like, much You couldn't closer. come up with a nickname with that right, letter? Right, something to make him happy there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, couldn't throw him any bones there. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but it's good to hear that because you hear, when I hear stories about, you know, people trans either transitioning or coming out, it's like, oh, my God, what do I tell my families? And that becomes the real mm -hmm. struggle. Oh, and you get years of therapy and, you know, Or you just abandon them. Yeah, yeah, and I was prepared. When I went into it, I was prepared to not see my family again. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that would be the case, but that was also a leap that I was prepared to take because mm -hmm. I was going to go on my path and do what I needed to do for me, and if my family abandoned me, so be it. Right. I would deal with it. And things were tough with my mom at first. Mm -hmm. It's like she took it the hardest, and she even she even said like that thing that you see now in like – all the, like you know the superhero movies that right. are that are like you know queer metaphors. You know oh. she even said the you know have you tried not being trans? Oh, uh -huh. mm. yeah, just like they always say, have you tried not being a? Mutant? You mean b 
besides since the beginning of exactly, my the first consciousness? Tw- yeah, the past 25 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I tried. It really did not work out for me. And so right. Remember all that unhappiness? Remember all that discomfort? Mm-hmm. Remember all that? Yeah. yeah. Well, she may not have seen any of that. I don't know. She kind of didn't. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was part mm. of it. Yeah, I hid it pretty well. She said mm. that she did not suspect it at all. Mm. But I also know that she did, when I was a teenager, suspect that I was gay. Mm-hmm. So I don't, and that was mostly because, you know, I wasn't a horn dog, you know, right. I wasn't like, you know, super, you know, girl chasing. And like the first mm. time that she, you know, came home and I had a girl there with me, it's like we were like sitting on the couch watching a movie. And this was something, this girl became like my first girlfriend. We were together mm-hmm. until I transitioned basically. Oh, hmm. And we were going to, you know, we'd gone together when we were 16. So we were going to break up anyway. Mm-hmm. But part of what she liked about me was the fact that. I was interested in her as a person. Right. And, the, like, the first time I brought her home, I was like, let's watch this movie. And it was it was Annie Hall. I okay. wanted to show her. I was a huge Woody Allen fan. Sure. Problematic mm-hmm. now, but at the time. Right. Sure. You know, I wanted right. to show her this movie. So I brought her home, and, like, I got us some peanuts as a snack. And I, like, put the bowl between us yeah. on yeah. the couch because mm-hmm. I thought, well, this is the perfect place to put it because we can both reach it. It's right. convenient for sure. both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was like, wow, this person is, like, respecting my space and, like, oh, not trying uh-huh. to mm-hmm. – and, like, so that's how we became a couple because I was, like, actually, like, nice to her. Yeah. And, of course, the, she found out later what the reason was behind mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But, yeah, my mom did But it's an important lesson for boys to learn. We've talked about this, you know, boys not doing all of that, you know, right. the lessons, and we see the results of that. Mm-hmm. Weinstein, R. Oh, Kelly, blah, 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 blah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, where I was purely like about 100% about respect with her right. because I really liked her. So because mm-hmm. I really liked her, I respected her and wanted to be nice to her Yeah, all of that. But uh, so, yeah, so when I came out, it was tough for her. But the first time, like a year or two, the first time after that that she like introduced me to someone as her daughter, uh-huh. it mm-hmm. was just like, oh, right. the, yeah. oh the thumping of the heart. Yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. And the great irony of it all, as I mentioned, I have like three older brothers. Sure. And the irony of me being trans is that I could never have had an older sister, uh-huh. which sucked. I, I would have oh, would have made life so much easier if I'd had like uh, that right. kind of that kind of a role model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it wouldn't have happened because the firstborn was a boy, mm-hmm. and my father named that boy after himself. So right. beyond that, he didn't care. He had his right. namesake. He <laughs> had his little version of himself. Mm-hmm. The next child, also a boy. Oh, they were trying for a girl. Right. Third child, also a boy. Last time they tried, fourth child, that was me. Mm-hmm. It just took 25 years for yeah. it to be a girl. Wow. It's yeah. Like, yeah, that, that was the irony of it all. I mm-hmm. was the daughter I was the daughter mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. were trying to get for my mom. It just, you know, yeah. the gestation no, period took a quarter century longer than I wonder if you can get them to ever see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your time at San Francisco State. I know you studied film. Mm-hmm. I know you did a little bit of theater, right? I did do a little bit of theater, yeah, because the at state at San Francisco State. Oh, cool. Yes, there. Which professors? Uh, the only professor name that I remember is one of the film professors. Oh, as heaven okay. is my witness, I don't sure. remember any of the others. But as a film student, as mm-hmm. sort of like an olive branch between the film and the theater departments, right. which you know. Like libraries and parks and rec, they're natural enemies. Yeah, you know, even though they share a building. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, people in one in one uh, department had to take a few classes in the other, ah. and one of the classes that I took in the theater department was an acting class, just mm-hmm. like a basic acting class, and I enjoyed it so much. Mm-hmm. It was like so much fun. Mm-hmm. 
And the main, like the final project that we did was a scene from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. my favorites. Yeah, which was a movie that I loved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew it was based on a play, but I'd never seen the play. I'd only like, sure. seen the movie. And so, like, me and my scene partner, and again, this this was before I transitioned. Right. So I played the part of George. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she played the Elizabeth. Martha. T- Thank you. Yeah. I can't uh, it's um, Washington. George and Martha. Their names aren't wow. Washington, but that's where they pulled the names. That's where Albie pulled the names from. Oh, interesting. Yes. How did I know? Wow. The Fathers. Yeah, there it's you go. Just, it's just, like it's <laughs> so frigging twisted. It just adds yeah. another layer, yeah. unnecessarily adds another layer on a play that already has more layers in it. Yeah. Fancy wedding cake. And like yeah. the most obvious thing in the world I hadn't, yeah. picked up, hadn't picked up on until just Well, because now. he's that subtle. He never, he never throws that in your mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, we did a scene from Who's Afraid, Afraid of Virginia Woolf, uh-huh. and, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and the professor really liked my approach yeah. to the character, mm-hmm. and – but I was a film student right. at that point, and I hadn't really had any, you know, theater experience before that. Mm-hmm. Plus, there was the fact that, like, I was on the verge of transitioning at right. that point. Yeah. If I went any further, I'd still have to be doing boy parts, and I was right. not going to be able to, like, do that. Right. And so the next time... Right then, back then, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I wasn't involved again in theater until 2003, Mm -hmm. when, like, you know, I'd already, like, I'd... In 2001, I started in Hormones in 98. In 2001, I got, like, the name change and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was living full-time, as they say, by 2002. Mm -hmm. 2003, I was involved in the lit and spoken word scene Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And there was a show, a uh, open mic that I regularly went to at the Theater Spanganga, uh-huh. 19th and Mission. And then I saw the uh, flyers for auditions for a live production of Night of the Living Dead. Right. Which is like, oh, I love that movie. That's <laughs> like a favorite movie of mine. And so, yeah, I auditioned mm-hmm. for the part of Barbara, mm-hmm. the first woman to get attacked by the undead oh, in the film. okay. And she gets to survive all the way until the end, but she's also like – catatonic with fear uh-huh. she has like, she has like one big speech early on and for the rest of it she is just like not cowering exactly sure. but almost just like comatose with mm. fear because mm-hmm. this horrible thing is happening around her right. and the world is ending and she is not equipped to deal with it and like that i could do mm-hmm. that i could totally do and so i did night of living dead then i was in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy which mm-hmm. is like the next big production there mm-hmm. And continued acting and things on and off at Spanganga and then at the Dark Room, mm-hmm. which of course, I, again, I've been listening to the podcast. Dark Room comes up all the time, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I, I mentioned Craig Souza. I, I did that time, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I've worked with Craig Souza actually. I was mm-hmm. in, like, a wow, small world. Room. Yeah, very, very small theater world. Yeah, I, I had a quick question for you because it occurred to me that Spanganga, which is at ninth, which was at Nineteenth and Mission, mm-hmm. also get Ray of Light Theater. Which is uh, at the Victorian Theater, okay. which is okay. also like yeah. a seventeenth in Mission, sixteenth, yeah. and then the Dark Room. It seems like that's that one block or that three block area. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting, cool. Well, Theater, theater going Rhino on. had been there. Um, yeah. the yeah. one that we did. That's Chacros, right. The Chateau de de la Esperanza. I forgot about yeah. that. Oh right, I forgot about that place. Yeah. 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 Well, there were all, and then um, the mm-hmm. Mission Cultural Center, which. Depending on who was running it at the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it, it was supportive of theater. Yeah. Um, what's the place where Camposanto was? Uh, intersection. Yeah. You know, there was there there was a mission scene. There was, yeah, yeah for in a the while early aughts. The 2000s. Uh, but yeah. they yeah. weren't 
there wasn't much cohesiveness. There was oh, very little crossover. It was like a little isolation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's like I only did things at Spanganga and in the dark room. Right. It's like it was a community theater, and it was very much a, for me, a community mm-hmm. theater because mm-hmm. that was my community. Sharma, can you bring your mic up oh, a yeah. little bit? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the, dark, the, dark right. the dark room was my community. Right. And, yeah, I'm... My ambition was never really to, like, get into, like, acting hardcore. Mm-hmm. It was more like I had these opportunities while they were here in front of me. Right. But I wasn't – I didn't really, like, want to go into it as a, you know, career, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of it being that a lot of people just didn't know what to do with me because right. I was, like, you know, this tall trans woman. Right. Where even just the fact that I was tall is, right. is problematic. Right. already a problem, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of directors – there was one play that I was going to be in – and like I knew the I knew the director and things were going well until he decided to cast me in a very, very male role. Huh. Hmm. And I was like I, when I called him out on that, right. he was like, Oh no, 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 I, I, I respect your identity. It's just that it's like and this was this was one of those kinds of straight boys who who pride themselves on being all super pervy. Because they like oh. latex, uh-huh. so because you know they yeah. like they like girls in latex. So suddenly, so therefore, that's all the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so suddenly, like you know, they're like the most. We didn't use these words at the time. They're like the most woke people ever sure. because they have this thing that they can make some super pervy and yeah, right, yeah, and like I encountered that, and I was just like, yeah, acting, and I never really, I didn't really do enough to get very good at it mm-hmm. as yeah. far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, um, yeah, I was more of a writer anyway. Well, one the thing that struck me about the darkroom theater because I remember uh, I had did oh shucks it was a, a night's escape and uh, WWJD I was a part of EastEnders and that was sort of a community for me and then Craig Dickerson um, had brought me into because it, it was an intense play that we did and uh, Craig Dickerson and also David Stein was like hey we're doing something fun at the darkroom we're going to do. Um, the Gong Show. Oh, I love that show so and much. And that was so fun. fun. And oh, all so of a sudden, you know, it wasn't just the Gong Show, but just walking into this theater, and there are these crazy it, – it reminded me of uh, CBGBs in the 70s uh, uh-huh. in, in mm-hmm. New York, sure. where they're just crazy, strange people who are doing their thing, and everyone is mm-hmm. inclusive. And that was sort of the community. That's what I got. And I was only there for that short moment. Was that What was the darkroom like for you? It was very much like that. It was a place where, like, the weirdos who didn't really fit in anywhere else, right. such as yours truly, could, like, find mm-hmm. – you could find a home. Mm-hmm. It's like the reason I got involved with the darkroom, because, as I mentioned, is at Spanganga, and the on-site, like, you know, director and, you know, basically jack-of-all-trades at the darkroom, him and his soon-to-be wife, they were like, you – we like you. Come and play with us. Yeah. And yeah, that was uh, Jim Forniatis and Aaron Hannison. Yeah. Do, do you talk to Jim lately? Not uh, that often. Okay. No. Because I heard they had gotten a divorce and, um, it, you know, things just. They did. They got back together. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Oh, there's a happy ending there. Good, Thank good, goodness. Good. Thank goodness. They got back together. Yeah. But, but Jim and Aaron were like, we like you. Come and play with us. And uh-huh. they basically, like, adopted me and brought mm-hmm. me over to the dark room. And I got to, like, Got keys to the place, and wow. mm-hmm. yeah, I had like ten years of like free shows. Uh-huh. It's like whatever play was being put on. Sometimes I was in it. Usually I wasn't, but whatever it was, mm-hmm. I was always welcome to uh-huh. like come in and watch it. So I would like always have a place to go on the weekends, and I would work the door. And yeah, yeah the dark room was my second home. And Rona Siddiqui also came out of there, and now she is a uh, Broadway winning composer. 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, Damn. tons of people. Tons of. I'm constantly watching comedy shows now. Mm-hmm. And like, I saw them at the dark room. They played at the dark room. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I also did the not the publicity, but I did the website for the dark room. So uh-huh. anytime there was Whoa, a show, yeah. It, yeah. Every time there was a show, it got sent to me, and I would put it on the website. So right. I knew everyone who was playing at sure. it, and all these names of all these people, mostly stand ups that were doing comedy at the dark room because mm-hmm. it was almost more of a comedy venue than a theatrical venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like we put on plays and people would rent it out for plays, but mostly the dark room was a comedy venue. That's mm-hmm. what it's mostly remembered as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like, yeah, there's people on almost any comedy show you could name. It's like, yeah, they played at the dark room back oh. in the day. So, yeah. yeah, it was it nice was to be part of that incubator. Yeah, it was very much like Saturday Night Live or Second City TV. I mean, mm-hmm. there were all sorts of parodies done out of the dark room. Yep. I think right. it was uh, Batman – Television Batman series, the TV uh, series, the play, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and, funny, mm-hmm. and and even Bat Movie Night, and Bat Movie Night was uh, must have been really cool. It's like Mystery Science Theater live. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun, yeah. And again, we did it for ten years, mm-hmm. and I look back on it now. It's like it ended in 2015, mm-hmm. and for like pretty much, <clears throat> it was started by uh, by. Jim Forniatis and um, Ty McKenzie, mm-hmm. who I would be surprised if her name hasn't come up at least yeah. once. I tried to get her on. Uh, she, you know, I guess she's shy. I guess yeah. she doesn't want to. Some people are, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because she, I've known her. I knew Ty from the Phoenix Theater because uh-huh. um, Linda Ayers Frederick has hired her to handle tech and all that sort of stuff. And it's always good to get, you know, tech, you know, all sorts of folks who are involved in theater to get mm. their perspective of what's going on. But yeah, Ty ran, uh, you know, the technical stuff. Yeah, she pretty forever. much, her and Jim pretty much co-founded the dark room, and then mm-hmm. eh, things didn't go super well between them, and she ended right. up leaving to start her own thing. Mm-hmm. And then in 2007, I basically took over a bad movie night and mm-hmm. scheduled it like every Sunday through March 2015. Damn. And yeah, it was a grind. And when I, sure. when it, and after a while, I realized, okay. 10 years is the perfect run for this. Right. Yeah. It's like 10, 10 years of Sundays of doing this thing. Sure. Right. It's like a lot of people are like, why are you ending it? Because I produce this show. I select the movies. I right. have to corral all the cats. Right. And I'm the one who has to come here a sure. couple hours early and get everything ready and clean up afterwards. Right, right. And it's a lot of fun, and I'm so glad I did it, and I'm glad I don't have to do it again. Right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. You do your time, and mm-hmm. then it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever do – I know you went into film school. Did you ever actually produce any films? I did not. Okay. I did mm-hmm. not. Um, it's not so – producing things and, like, you know, creating things turns out not is not so much my jam. Yeah. I love writing about them. Yeah. Oh. And, and that's why yeah. you're doing the wow. SF Weekly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of brought that around nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, like, as a film critic and also, like, writing just nonfiction about pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, all the things I loved growing up, as much as I loved watching them, Star Trek in particular, yeah. I loved watching them, but I also loved reading about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like I would read all the nonfiction books about Star Trek I could find, mm-hmm. which is why I'm writing one of my own right now. Oh, no. Nice. Awesome. And, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I'm a, my, my main identity before anything else is as a writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know that you, because we talk about acting and, like, beats and objectives and all that sort of stuff, and, of course, you've only acted for just a little bit, mm-hmm. but as a film critic, do you also judge or look at, let's say, particular actors and – what they exhibit, let's say some actors who don't, let's say they don't know the beats or objectives or they're a weak actor or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you do Is you pay attention to those sort of things? With skill, yeah, with their skills. I do tend to pick up on that, yeah. But I, mm-hmm. but 
for better or for worse, I only have like 215 words for each review. Oh, oh. sure. You don't wow. have that much. Yeah. yeah. So I don't tend to point it out of unless course. it's like really amazing or like really egregious. Sure, sure. It's like there was a movie with Gerard Depardieu that was like filmed. Oh. Like one of the minis. He's been uh-huh. training about like Nicolas Cage over the past several years. Okay. And there was one that was like shot, I don't know, somewhere in what used to be the Eastern Bloc. Mm-hmm. And there was one particular actor who was clearly of Russian descent clearly doing their lines phonetically mm-hmm. and it was oh. quite possibly the worst performance I've ever seen and I loved wow. it so much. Oh. oh, it was so... I had to, I just, I had to scream. I just kept rewinding it back and watching uh-huh. it because it's like, it is so wonderful. It was just... Yeah, I loved that <laughs> so Sounds much. like it should be textbook. <laughs> yeah. But I have a question about yes. State. Um, did you do any of the creative writing or... Because that literary scene there is pretty strong. I did not. You did. You didn't go that route. You got involved. Yeah, it's just yeah, just mm-hmm. purely involved in the in film. the film department. Uh-huh. And my writing ultimately isn't like creative so much. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Spalding Gray used to say. It's like I can't make things up. It's uh-huh. like that's why I have to like write and talk about ah, my own life because I, I yeah, it's like I am terrible at making things up. I hate trying to tell somebody who Spalding Gray is. It's like oh, um, <laughs> if you didn't experience it. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, there's no way I can sell you this. It would be like me saying this bag of garbage, but it's not a bag of garbage. It's a bag of really cool stuff that you need to go through carefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But there's, you know, most of this you're going to walk away with going, oh, my God, do you know what I saw today or do you know what I heard? Yeah, and my main th- – if I had a true theatrical ambition, and for a while I was pursuing this, but I just didn't really have the energy or the wherewithal, mm-hmm. would be to do monologues. Uh-huh. Like, you know, yeah. I, do ha- I did have, like, a couple, like, 20-minute <clears throat> monologues I did at, like – like at the uh, at the garage on uh, Howard yeah. when that existed and a few other places, but yeah, I grew up loving Spalding Gray, and I actually got to see him twice. I, I only saw the films, but because of him and others like him, um, Bogosian. Eric, um, oh, Talk Radio is like one of my favorite oh, movies. Yes, yeah, it's I love an that. amazing movie, and where I'm like, is, I can't imagine. Eric I haven't seen him. Go ahead. He keeps he keeps doing stuff. His name pops up from time to mm-hmm. time. But that was an edgy time, and it inspired a scene here in San Francisco that I I would go. And you'd go to these nights where you had not a clue what you were going to see. Yeah, the Marsh is a good place for that. Um, yeah. Lots of the solo shows yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, you'd sit, and I, even before they got their building, I remember. No, Valencia Rose, that was the one. Okay. Um, where um, you'd go into this tiny little space, and clearly they just threw stuff up. And mm-hmm. then you'd see these weird Solo performances that were indescribable, mm-hmm. but you know, it just made you hungry for the next one. And that seems like that period kind of came, and then yeah, those I people are still around. Like, um, who's the other one? Is the um, clown um, Leonard Pitts? I think. Hmm, not um, sure. I don't know. Um, Larry Pizzoni, I think, is another one. Okay. Um, their names every now and then they pop up again, and I'm like, oh, you guys are still around doing. But there was a period where that was hot. And the yeah. fellow who did Haiku Tunnel, Josh... Uh, Corn Booth. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he keeps every... At least every couple of years, mm-hmm. he's got yeah. something new that he's trucking out. Yeah, like a couple of years ago, he had a movie version of his show, Death and Taxes, yeah. came out. That was really good. That was basically like a follow-up to Haiku Tunnel. Yeah, and he keeps... Marsh, he keeps bringing something back. Mm-hmm. And if it's not every year, it's every other year yeah. that he's working something. So yeah. it's great to see that. It's a part of theater that a lot of people don't recognize, but the fertility, the creativity, and the individual voice is unmistakable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which leads to my last question because we're running into the hour mark. Do you miss, do you lament the demise? Because, you know, with the today's economy, 
I know that Jim Fordines, I think he complained that, you know, he wasn't getting enough audience members in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And, you know, of course, and of course, people sort of go off to bigger and better things well, yeah. and, or just, you know, just life. Do you lament uh, the days gone by? Do you think back to the dark room and just that time of life? I 100% look back to it. And more importantly, I am gl- so glad that I was there. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. like, you know, it's sad that it's over, but I'm like trying to like smile that it happened at all. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's like I was like in the right place at the right time and managed to like ride that wave possibly mm-hmm. any longer, possibly far longer than I had any right to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is part of why when it came after 10 years, like 10 years is the right time to leave, to, you know, to. Mm-hmm. It's smart to close, to close out bad movie night, and the darkroom wasn't long for that for that world for the world at that sure, point anyway. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's sad that it's over, but I'm like so happy that mm-hmm. it happened. And also yeah. sometimes I think, wow, there used to be a time when I would like be in a show that would like run for a month, and there would be like six weeks of rehearsals, and I was I would have to find parking in the mission like mm-hmm. four or five nights a week. Yeah. And now I only have to go into the mission like once or twice a month, and even that is horrifying, yeah. let alone parking, yeah. you know, <laughs> constantly. Yeah. So, Do you find that San Francisco itself is changing? I mean, um, since the time you came here. Every time I walk down Valencia, it's different. Yeah. And I have that kind of San Francisco amnesia where it's like, that is not what used to be there before, but I don't remember what that was. Yeah. It's like constantly, constantly, like there's a new storefront, and I cannot right. for the life of me recall what was there before, yeah. and I feel so bad about well, that's that. As you guys have described some of these places, I'm like, uh, God, I kind <laughs> of remember, and I've right. actually been in some of these spots, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you where. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And especially with the way they look now, it's all shiny and glass and steel. And right. And I promise you that in 20 years, someone is going to look back at San Francisco 2019 as the golden era of San Francisco. Sure. Just like there are people who do that for 1999 and 1979. Yep, 79, yep. It's like whenever you, whenever you hit your particular stride, yeah. and for me, that stride, for better or for worse, was in the aughts. It's yeah. like I was firing on all c- cylinders in. That's when everything was working I mean, things aren't bad now, sure. but that was when I really feel like I was in my prime, and therefore, San Francisco was in its prime. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. not in its prime anymore. Now it's terrible, except for these people who are coming up now and finding their groove, finding their lockstep, and now it's like, oh, my rhythm and San Francisco's rhythm are perfectly aligned, and this is the best time in San Francisco, and they will look back on it <laughs> yeah. as the golden age. And yeah. that's the beauty of it. This, this, I this, love this, this point of view. This is someone's golden age right now. <laughs> right. And right. I know because during my golden age, everyone was telling me, oh, no, it was better 10 or 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. not to me. No, right now, it was, it was perfect right then, and it's perfect right now for someone else, and I hope they're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Really it's do. always generational, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit it just right. Shout-outs. Birthdays. Birthdays. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to change my little thing on the page to say, go ahead and post the information here mm-hmm. so that we have access to it. Um, birthdays. I'm going to try not to step on your toes on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Meg Patterson has been making theater in the Bay Area for a long time. At one point, when I first was aware of her, she was down in San Jose. I think she's up in the North Bay now. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Quinn was doing it in San Francisco, and this was back – Around the time that Custom Made and I think it was Boxcar mm. were coming into being. Yeah. And, um, and then he went down to L.A. and started doing, um, like, publicity or something. I mean, he yeah he's an incredible guy. Um, Brian Herndon was one of the first names I heard in Bay Area Theater where I kept hearing this name. 
And he was always out of town doing something. But I think I finally saw him in Little Shop of Horrors up in the North Bay. Mm. And I was like, wow. And he's still around. He's still doing it. He's, he is amazing. Uh, Genevieve, Jesse, and I messed up her last name, but I believe it's McCool. Mm-hmm. Um, Genevieve is a writer with Playground. Oh, okay. Um, and E.J. Gibson. Didn't we have E.J. on the show? Yes, we did. Early you on. brought him in. Yeah, he's he uh, in Butu. He's in Butu, and he does film. Right on. Um, uh, Jeffrey Beer is this amazing director and teacher, and he has a studio, and we actually are Everyday Alice rehearsed there a few times as we were getting ready mm-hmm. um, and I walked in the space the first time going aren't we supposed to have our shoes off and isn't this like no food no drinking isn't this kind of, and you know the place is all decorated with um, Asian and other um, real specific ethnic performance stuff mm-hmm. um, just gorgeous and I think last I heard he was on the east coast but he's amazing director he directed a piece I did with um, Word for Word. Mm-hmm. Um, we did scattering poems all through the night, and they, they gave us this huge – it was more than a ream of paper of different poems, and we sipped it through. One of the things I got to do was Jabberwocky. Oh, nice. So when I got to do Everyday Alice right now, I'm like, you know, I've done some version of this story at least four times mm-hmm. on stage. Um, so Jeffrey Bear was my director, and I'm skipping one because I know you've got it on your list. Um, Edward Webster is the other mm-hmm. one um, who I got to do a Lobby Hero with. He did it with Aurora, mm-hmm. and then it was remounted and Napa, Napa, at the Napa Valley Opera House. Okay. And those are my birthday wishes for the Okay. I, n- I never feel bad when you take some one of mine, so it's, it's all But good. I, I knew you got this <laughs> one, so I'm not going to. Uh, today's birthday is um, Mistyanne Lotero. I think I'm spelling the name right, uh, saying the name right. Mm-hmm. But in any case, she was an actress, a beautiful actress. I don't think she acts anymore, but she um, – EastEnders casted her. We did a thing called 100 Years of Sex Acts, and mm-hmm. there was a wonderful piece, I think a Lorca piece, called um, oh, uh, per- Don Perlin-Plin. It's sort of a Commedia dell'arte thing, mm-hmm. and uh, she was the muse, and she just did a fantastic job. And she has a fundraiser, so I'm going to read this real quick. Oh, nice. She has a birthday fundraising campaign for young audiences of Northern California. This nonprofit means a lot to her. She served at the, as the board of president, a board president for the organization that provides an arts education to over 24,000 children each year in the Bay Area that do not have access to arts. Over the four years she served on the board, she's witnessed the joy, confidence, and connection that the kids that they served experienced from participating in the programs. So in any case, I'll have a link to there, but uh, her birthday is today, and she would love if you would contribute to uh, that program, the Young Audiences of Northern California. Also, Conrad Panganiban. (laughs) I knew you had that one. I knew it. Uh, His birthday is today. He's a fantastic playwright working out of Bindlestiff Studios. He's a fantastic um, Filipino playwright. Also today, also Filipino acting out of a bindle stiff is Alan Byron, his birthday. Um, on Friday, I think I mentioned this uh, last week, Melissa Mombois, um, she, uh, act with her with Grey Gardens at the, uh, the um, oh, uh, shoot, I, I, um, I, I forget. But in any case, Grey Gardens, uh, the Douglas Morrison Theater. Um, so she's a fantastic young actress. Um Mara, your your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on Friday. Upcoming birthdays. Oops. I did skip that one. Oops. <laughs> There's a fantastic um, Sarah Corda. Um, she is. I'm not sure if she's been on the stage for a while. She's an old Eastender, and uh, her birthday is on Sunday tomorrow. Uh, let's see. 
going down. Uh, Matt Hohensey, his birthday is on Thursday. He was the um, musical director for Ray of Light Theater when we did Bat Boy. Um, that's all I have. So okay. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. weird because we're doing Everyday Alice at mm-hmm. the Piano Fight. Yeah. Um, we'll just be Fridays and Saturdays for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this weekend, the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Thursday night, and it'll be the last Thursday, this next Thursday, uh, is a show in the same space. Mm. And it's called Never Neverland. So both shows deal with Peter Pan. That one actually has a Wendy. We have Alice from okay. Alice in Wonderland and ours. They have Wendy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fun. I stayed and I saw it last Thursday. Mm. Oh, my God. It is crazy, wacky, weird fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, strangely enough, Central Works over here in the East Bay in yeah. Berkeley is doing Wonderland. Which is, I think you'd mention that. Yeah. Is it directed by Gary Graves, written by Gary um, Graves? I think Jan directed it, and I okay. think Gary wrote it. Okay. And he, they say it's a combination of Alice in Wonderland and Kafka. Wow. So yeah. it's just weird that there's all, right. all this energy around Yeah, what's, what's going right on? Here. There's something in the air. Apparently. Um, so you talk about Everyday Alice. That's at, that's at the, um, I want to say Utopia Theater Project, but it's not at the it's Utopia. It's Utopia Theater. It's at Piano Fight. It's at Piano Fight. Got it. Mm-hmm. February, it opened February 15th. It closes March the 9th. Right. Uh, Marissa Wanlass is directing it. Uh, Stage Kiss, I'll be seeing that tomorrow. They only have two shows, tomorrow and Monday. That's at the Other Other Theater. That's um, the Lesher. I want yeah, to say Lesher. Yeah, Lesher, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Lesher Center Creek. of the Arts. Yeah. Alan Coyne and Kim Donovan. I know. The show. They <laughs> sound incredible. I know. Man, Alan's been in everything. I think Alan has been, I mean, um, Alan Coyne has been in at least six Since shows. he was on here, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Um, Brooklyn Bridge, uh, Town Hall Theater is doing that. Um, that opens uh, the 28th, and it closes March the 22nd. A uh, good friend of ours, Tom Riley, who was on the show, episode 40, he's in that. Uh, Cutting Ball Theater is doing La Ronde, uh, March 14th through April 14th. Our good friend, Janae Simon, uh, ah. is in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theater First is doing what's known as the Last Sermon of Sister Imani. Uh, that opened on Valentine's Day. It closes March the 3rd. Uh, the Love Edition, Falling Hard. Uh, Bindlestiff is doing that. They do that every year. Um, and that'll, that opened on February the 14th. It closes March the 2nd. Also, King of the Yees, San Francisco Playhouse, right. is doing that. Crystal Piamonte Jong, who was on the show, she is in that. That closes March the 2nd. And those are the shows that I have. Um, Mother Courage, um, okay. Ubuntu Theater here. I can't remember where they are. Okay. Um, uh, you didn't mention John Fisher's extended World War II. Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. Well, it keeps getting extended, That's right. so yay for him. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had one other one, and I'm not seeing it. I think you picked it up. It was the um, um, Stages? No, the, uh, King of the Yees. Oh, King of the Yees. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, That's so it. that is it. Sherilyn, did you, you have, have a any, good time? Anything I, you want to promote? I had a wonderful time. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And oh, your book. I, we should promote your book. Yes. You're working on sure. your second book. Uh, yeah, well, the first book, the one that's out right now, available at Popular Prices, nonfiction book called Ponyville Confidential, The History and Culture of My Little Pony, 1981 to 2016. <laughs> right. That is typically the reaction I get wow. to. Uh, yeah. So it is a like full on history of like that particular franchise. Oh, nice! And also a look and that cultural phenomenon. The cultural phenomenon, and more specifically, a look at you know thirty odd years of sexism in the media oh, and nice. the culture, 
as you know, put as put through the frame of that particular franchise. Uh, very all nice. the things that like that franchise, mm-hmm. that particular toy line has been accused of that ones that are meant for boys right. don't get accused of. Oh, uh, wow. So, yeah. Right. And uh, now that's your first book. That's my first book. That's the one that's out uh, right now. What about your second book? Uh, The one I'm currently working on, the working title is the first Star Trek movie, The Buying and Selling of the Motion Picture. Uh It's all about Star Trek in the 1970s and Uh, all uh the various attempts to revive it. Right. And and most ultimately about the way Star Trek the Motion Picture, whom nobody loves but me, but that's okay, Uh uh, the way that it was bought and sold to the public, the way it was marketed Uh and what its legacy is and – yeah, just like very, very I wish there were another podcast because I can talk for days about Star Trek, especially the first, you know, the, the beginnings because mm-hmm. my whole family is all into that. And I remember the first uh, Star Trek movie, Viger and all mm-hmm. that Dude, stuff. And Alia. I the went to a few woman. of them before I just <laughs> gave up. I was like, yeah, that's uh, fair. That's totally yeah. fair. Um, did you have a good time? I did. Thank you so much. And I was very happy. I just love the fact that the name of your podcast is positive. <laughs> just that it's the yay. It's like, yay, sign me up yay. for that. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. baby yay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But yes, very much so I did. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Well, thank you for helping us celebrate our 100th um, anniversary oh, sure. <laughs> on your yeah. episode. It's amazing. Good times when you're having fun. You're not burned out yet, right? I'm having a good time. <laughs> All right. Here's our plug. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. Of course, you're listening to it now, but tell your friends. Any any app, any podcast app that you're, that comes out, you know, look for the Yay and you'll find us. If you are an old oldie but goodies and you look and you listen to your podcast on a desktop or a laptop instead of a smartphone, you can uh, find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, go on Store, use the search engine on the upper right hand side, and search for the Yay, and you'll find us. For Android users. Download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for The Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. I'm on Red Space Clay. And I finally changed my Instagram account so it matches with my uh, Twitter, uh-huh. Hoosier Hoosier. Right on. Sherilyn, do you have one? Uh, yes, my Twitter, as an early adopter, my Twitter is Sherilyn. That's okay. my first name, uh-huh. S-H-E-R-I-L-Y-N. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, I'm landing on water. All is oh. one word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You say Instagram? It's, yeah, landing on water, L A. L-A-N-D-I-N-G-O-N-W-A-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, all one word <laughs> on Instagram and just Sherilyn on Twitter. Got it. And we, we got to find a better, better sign-off. Sign and we are out. Yeah.